Father, thank you for this morning where your mercies are new. And may your mercies fall upon us, on our ears, on our minds, our hearts, to, to hear and understand what you want us to this morning from your word. We need you for this. So please show us again how your mercies are new every morning. Amen. Well, here's my first Canadian story, although uh, I don't know how actually Canadian it is, distinctly Canadian. It did pl take place in Canada, and we did speak Canadian. And it happened when I was studying philosophy for my undergrad at York University in Toronto. And there were a number of different groups, Christian groups, at the secular university I was at. But two of the biggest ones were InterVarsity, that I was part of, and this other one called Crew. At least that's how they go by themselves now. And they had some differences. So one was mostly white. One was mostly people of color. One had one style of worship and evangelism, the other, another. And sadly, these two groups didn't always have a great history together. They didn't always have generous ways of talking about one another. And, and I didn't like this. And mostly because I didn't think God liked this uh, for obvious reasons. So when I became the president of the InterVarsity group in my final year, I made it my goal to become friends with the president of the other group, which, which wasn't hard. He was a, a great guy, a really fun loving guy who really loved Jesus. And we, we became friends. And we wanted to, together, try to overcome the, the division, maybe you could say, between our groups. So we decided, let's, let's do something together. Let's, in fact, have a joint retreat together. So after a lot of planning and praying, that's what we did. And it was one of the most holy, spirit-filled weekends I've experienced. So for example, there was a girl there who I knew from the InterVarsity group and she had this, this really terrible skin condition on her face. And well, one of the mornings during this weekend, she woke up and 90% of it was just healed, miraculously gone. <laughs> and I remember her getting up in front of the group and saying, I, I don't know why God only healed 90%, <laughs> but I'm glad he did. And you could just see the joy radiating from her newly healed face. It's powerful. There was all kinds of things happening that weekend. My friend and I from the other group, the president of your group, we got up in front of the group and we confessed the history of the sins between our groups to each other and asking for and giving forgiveness to each other. And that resulted in a, a lot of healing between our groups and a lot more relationships between our groups. It's beautiful. Throughout the, the weekend, people sensed this God speaking to them and leading them. And so out of that weekend, many of us, including myself, started going on these missions trips, summer mission trips to Kazakhstan for the next several years. And there was these powerful anointed speakers throughout the weekend. And I can still remember their talks 20 years later. So for example, one was a, a businessman 
and he spoke with authority. And he told us how he used to own a company with two other individuals, very successful, making a lot of money, but his spiritual life had dried up. He worked so much he had no time for Sabbath, no time for prayer, no time for getting nourished by the scriptures, no time for relationships. So this crazy idea entered his head and he decided to bring it to his other two partners and tell them about it, these two guys who weren't Christians. And he said, I've got this crazy idea. I only wanna work from now on for four days a week. <laughs> and I'll take a cut in pay, but you know, this is what I wanna do. And his two business partners said, you're crazy, <laughs> but let's give it a try. <laughs> so they went for it. And he said it was the best decision of his life. And you could tell the, again, the authority, the life of Jesus was really present in this guy when he spoke. I can still remember his talk to this day. There was another lady from Amsterdam. She was an artist from Amsterdam who spoke with incredible authority. And she had lived a quite wild life and she had this dramatic conversion. And she was in fact talking about the Holy Spirit and it was so powerful, I said, I got to talk with her after, the, after her talk. And I don't know, just learn something from her. And out of that conversation, I was led to go to Regent College in Vancouver, where I went to seminary. A whole nother redemptive story. I say all this just to give you a sense of, uh, these are the kinds of things the Holy Spirit inspires in us, imparts to us, baptizes us in with his second breath as we've been talking about for the last several weeks. And the, and the passage this lady talked on when she talked, this lady, this artist from Amsterdam, was the passage from the Old Testament we heard this morning with Moses. And whenever I read this passage and hear it, I think of her in this, her talk in this whole weekend and the kinds of things the presence of God does when he's with us. So I mentioned last week that the Holy Spirit is God's empowering presence. It's one way to describe him. And the story that leads up to our Old Testament passage is the story of God's empowering presence in Egypt with the Hebrew people, a presence that delivered them from slavery through these mighty plagues. It's the story of God's empowering presence that continued with them in the wilderness, that provides for them, that leads them through smoke and fire, provides manna from heaven, water from a rock. And then God's holy presence descends on this tent of meeting with Moses, and God speaks with Moses. And we're told later these kind of meetings would cause the face of Moses to glow when he came out, so much so that he had to put a veil over his face because it freaked everybody out. Moses would have known God doesn't show up this way every day. <laughs> These were unique events, and that's why they're recorded in the Old Testament. Moses would know God didn't do this kind of thing with other nations. This set Israel apart in their day. And he says as much to God in this passage. So we read that God says to Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. 
and get rest in his presence. That's what we pause. That's why Sabbath. We, we turn from our activities to rest in God's presence. And then Moses responds and he says, if your presence doesn't go with me, don't even bother bringing us up from here. He says, for how's it going to be known that I have found favor in your sight? I am your people. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other peoples on the face of the earth? What other than your, your Holy Spirit in New Testament language will distinguish us from the rest of the people of the earth? And the plain, simple answer is nothing. Try as we might. Without God's presence in the Holy Spirit, we're no different. We're just like everybody else. So we might as well say to God, like Moses, God, don't even bother gathering us on Sunday. Don't bother sending us out into the world. No, shut the doors of the church, lock them up, and throw away the key. Don't even bother. That's, that's the kind of, what's what Moses is saying here to God. That's the kind of thing we need to understand about the significance of the Holy Spirit and his second breath over us. Of course, we don't have to ask God to do that because <laughs> he does promise to be with us, to go with us in the Spirit, to give us rest, to distinguish us, not because we're so special, but because God and his presence in the Spirit is so special. Francis Schaeffer, who started Labrie Fellowship with his wife, Edith, where Anne and I lived for a number of years, up to a decade, and worked. And you're going to hear some, some Labrie stories once in a while. Well, Francis Schaeffer came to a point in his life where he realized that the reality of God and things like the promise of the Holy Spirit made no practical difference in his life, even his Christian life as a minister, as a missionary in Switzerland, believe it or not. You can get to that place, even as a minister. And it caused him really to reconsider everything, to go back to the, to the ground level. And after a difficult season, a really difficult season of searching and thinking through everything again, he did believe, yes, God is really there. He has spoken through the scriptures. And yes, the finished work of Christ gives us redemption and the promised Holy Spirit. And he decided from then on, he was going to base his life, stake his life on all those realities. And from there, this ministry, Labrie, was born. And in those early days, you could, it's what you could have called a revival, a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit. A lot of people, a lot of people who are way out there on the edges were coming to faith, were growing up in the faith over many years. Through this little Christian community, hanging out, these people hanging out in chalets in the Swiss Alps, God, and since then, God has sustained this ministry without fundraising for over 60 years. I say that again just to show that these are the kinds of things the second breath 
does for us in this age. But all of this, all of these kinds of things should be leading us to, should lead us to, are intended to lead us to Christ. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ. <clears throat> so we hear in our New Testament passage, I want you to understand, Paul says to the Corinthians, that no one speaking by the spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. No one can say Jesus is Lord and mean it in your core without the Holy Spirit. Without the Holy Spirit, we think really little about Jesus. We might even curse him or use his name as a curse word. Without the Holy Spirit, we never recognize and relate appropriately to who Jesus really is, and especially to his authority as Lord. The Holy Spirit though, loves Jesus. He wants to glorify him, as we heard in our John passage. He wants to tell us about Jesus. That's what he's doing. Whenever he's sharing something with us, he's telling us about Jesus and his finished work and who Jesus is and what's coming because of Jesus. So Jesus says in our gospel reading, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the spirit of truth who goes out from the Father, he will testify about me. And he reiterates that same thing at the end of what we heard this morning. So the spirit doesn't point us to primarily experiences even that we have with him. The spirit doesn't even point us to himself. The Holy Spirit points us to Jesus. And especially to his authority. He's like a big floodlight shining on the sun and on the Father. That's where he's trying to get our attention to go. He wants us to know Jesus as Lord. He wants to, us to confess that. And he wants us to cry with Jesus, Abba, Father. To know the Father like Jesus does. We talked about that before. He wants us to become like Jesus and to do his works in his ways. But we don't usually do that kind of thing or pay attention to that unless we've come to some kind of recognition of the authority of Jesus. I know that was true in my life. I didn't think much of Jesus until I read the Gospels. And I remember the, reading the Gospels and I just sensed this authority with the words of Jesus that I had never encountered before or since. And it was like when Jesus finished the Sermon on the Mount and you hear the crowds were astonished at his teaching because he taught them as one who had authority and not like their scribes. Now, I didn't know this at the time, but the, the Spirit was helping me. He does that a lot, even without us knowing his presence there. He's called the Helper. He was helping me to see and hear the authority of Jesus and to confess him as Lord eventually. And also, I, I didn't know that other people were praying this for me, that this would happen to me, that I would come to know there's no one more in charge 
than Jesus. That I was to trust him more than anyone else. That I was to obey him more than anyone else. And I came to learn, too, that he was Lord, not just over some narrow religious sphere of life, but over all of life. And he always expands life. And yes, he's, he says, I'm the narrow door, but he's the door that leads us into the broad place of God's presence. I would never really learn those kinds of things, though, without the second breath of the Holy Spirit. Without that breath where the Christian life just becomes dull, drab, boring. We're, we're not distinct anymore. And we hear that too much these days. <laughs> but with the second breath, things become fresh again. Things become new, full of wonder. Just as a little caveat, it's, it's not up to us to know when or how the Spirit comes to each of us. He has a unique timing and way with each of us. And you hear stories. For some people, he, he comes upon them like a tidal wave. For other people, he comes, a, he comes to them like a steady stream of living water. For others, he comes like a mighty wind. For some, like a gentle breeze. And sometimes he comes even in the silence. So it's not up to us to control that kind of thing. It's up to us to thirst for that, to pray for that, and to be ready for however which way the Holy Spirit does come. And to thirst not just for ourselves, but for our friends, our family, and even who we would consider our enemies. In 1968, the World Council of Churches met in Sweden. And one of the presenters was the Greek Orthodox Patriarch. And the following is an excerpt from his presentation translated from the Greek. And I'm gonna finish with this. Without the Holy Spirit, God is far away. Christ stays in the past. The gospel is a dead letter. The church is simply an organization, authority a matter of domination, mission a matter of propaganda, liturgy is only nostalgia, and Christian living a slave morality. But with the Holy Spirit, God is with us. The universe is resurrected and groans with the birth pangs of the kingdom. The risen Christ is here. The gospel is a living force. The church is a communion in the life of the Trinity, the body of the living Christ. Authority is service that liberates people. Mission is Pentecost. The liturgy is memory and anticipation and human action is God's work in the world. I hope that gets you thirsty. Let's pray. Oh, Father, yes. Thank you for the Spirit. Thank you, Father, for making us thirsty for him. And I pray, yes, Lord, more, Lord, 
Make us thirsty for him. Help us to pray for him and teach us how to, to drink him in whatever way he comes. In and through and with Jesus Christ, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen.